0: Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be.
1: Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent, women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As always, I always love to be able to talk with you. It is a journey that all of us are on to raise our daughters to becoming those strong independent women that we want them to be. And every week, I love being able to have this journey with you, to talk to you, to help you, to introduce you to resources and individuals that have gone before you to experience different things. And no model of fatherhood is correct. So it's important for all of us to learn from other people, to engage with other people, And I love being able to bring you different guests that can share their experiences with you. Today, we've got another great guest with us. Matt Malin Sr. is with us today, and he's the founder and CEO of Prairie Fire Wealth Planning. With his 30 years of experience, he founded Prairie Fire during his own empty nester journey in 2019, inspired by the idea of a prairie fire sparking new growth by clearing remnants of the past. Matt's approach helps families strip away old financial beliefs and preconceptions so they can focus on the goals that matter most with a clear, renewed sense of purpose. You can learn more about Prairie Fire at prairiefirewealth.com. Matt is in a blended family. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about his own journey. He has two daughters and two sons, and I'm really excited to be able to have him here today. Matt, thanks so much for being here today. Well,
0: thank you. I sure appreciate being here, and, and love the work that you've been doing for all of us uh, dads out here.
1: Well, I love being able to talk with dads all the time. I guess first and foremost, let's turn the clock back in time. I love being able to go back to that first moment, that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter, what was going through your head?
0: Well, I, we didn't know she was a daughter until she was born. And so I do liken it, harken back to that night quite often because it was a time in the hospital when there was just a billion babies being born. And so Anna was born that night and I went with her back to the room where they get her cleaned up, but it took like six hours and she just laid there staring at me the whole time. And I thought, one, I don't think this child's going to sleep ever. And uh, two, oh, my gosh, I'm a father of a daughter now. How how am I going to manage this scary, scary proposition? And so it was both a joyful and a very trepidatious moment that I – those first moments that I had with her, but very special when I look back on them now.
1: And as you said, trepidation, there is definitely trepidation. When it comes to raising children in general, but also stepping into being a father to a daughter, so many dads that I talked to said that there is a fear in raising daughters in today's society. What would you say is your biggest fear in raising daughters?
0: There was just so much I didn't know. I didn't know what it was like to be a, a girl and a woman. I didn't know how, in some cases, as she grew to protect her, I didn't know just what it was like to be in her shoes and the things that she was experiencing. And so, being empathetic was was kind of hard because I just didn't know what it was like, especially in those difficult teenage years where she was going through things and didn't want me involved. I hurt my feelings and stuff, but actually she was just, you know, becoming her own person. So it was definitely different than having a son. My son was first and super close, and but I did understand his life better. I understood what it was like to jockey for position as a young man and the influence of sports and, and all those things. And so Anna, it was just a much more emotional. I just kept, it was a very emotional journey, ups and downs in, in fathering her. But what an incredible human being I ended up raising. So I can look back on it now with a, with a lot of pride.
1: You said there is fear in raising daughters, as you mentioned. In raising daughters, it's not always the easiest thing. and I have two teenagers myself, so getting them into the teenagers and through the teenagers can sometimes be challenging. What would you say was some of the hardest part of raising daughters?
0: I think it was trying to communicate in a way that worked for her. With the boys, I always used to say it was just blunt force trauma. I would just go at them, discipline them, and we would move on. It was a much more emotional journey with with Anna. So trying to communicate to her in a way that was meaningful, I definitely had to show more empathy to her and to understand that the emotions are much different with daughters than with sons. And so being understanding of that and not trying to overcome her objections, but listening So I would say learning to listen was the biggest thing that she taught me.
1: Working with multiple kids, you have to build individual relationships with each child. You have to balance that time with each child. Talk to me about how you were able to build those relationships, those unique relationships with your daughters, especially in a blended family.
0: Yeah. So as they grew, I really started taking to the idea of of one-on-one time. And so I would do trips with each of the kids individually or experiences with each of the kids individually. And so Anna, both daughters were very busy, Anna and Natalie both. And so just getting some time scheduled away where we could go on, in particular, I would take them on nature walks, even though they didn't like it, they didn't like the idea of it. But when we were there, they would really start to open up. Taking Anna and Natalie both on little trips separate from the boys um, or by themselves was good, but I had to be careful. I had to be, once again, listening because some of the things that I thought she'd want to do, she didn't, thought were her stupid ideas, dad ideas. And so trying to get her into tennis, that's not something that she cared about. And so I had to listen to say this isn't her deal. And I, I shouldn't hurt my feelings that it isn't just because it's my deal. And so I would say the, those isolating times a little bit where we could just be alone. I remember once we were on the beach in South Carolina and I kept saying, Anna, I really want to just want to go, you know, on a walk with you and just spend some time with you. Well, she was having so much fun in the water with the kids and stuff. And so trying to peel away from that to her seemed super unattractive and and not fun. She finally did it begrudgingly, but it taught me a lesson that, you know, I've I've got to give her some space to to do the things that she cares about and make sure I'm paying attention to those. So then later taking her shopping and those are the things that she liked to do. And so that got me more valuable time with her as she grew.
1: And I know that as now that you have kids that are, out of the nest, per se. They are in their 20s and working on their own lives, whether it's in college or beyond. And as you look back and you know that there have been memorable experiences that you've had in the past, what would you say were some of the most memorable moments that you shared with your daughters?
0: There's a a trip that Anna and I took to Omaha over a weekend. I live in Des Moines and we decided to get out of town and, and go shopping and stuff. And we ended up having a really, really special dinner that night. We found this quiet little restaurant and it really opened up to me about her boyfriend and her fears about going to college and some of the things that she'd been dealing with with a couple of her friends. And it was a level of communication that we hadn't shared in a long, long time. And so I'll never forget that special day. And then with Natalie, once again, I would force her from time to time to go on these nature walks. And we went to Colorado and we went on one and she was having a really hard time, feet hurt, and didn't feel well. And so I bribed her. <laughs> I said, if you, if you'll finish this, we will buy you a pair of Uggs. And she snapped to and she finished the hike. And we, when we got done, we just laughed and laughed that while it was difficult and a challenge, again, she was rewarded for it, but inherently it was a really special moment that we all still really crack up about. And the one that they laugh about the most is when I rented an RV for a week. It took us all camping in this RV. Well, it was like 150 degrees. I couldn't, the fuses kept blowing on the RV air conditioner. I'm the least mechanical person you'll ever meet. I had to spend all my time working on this stupid RV. The kids just love telling the stories from that. And each of them has a different one where we were attacked by raccoons, where we let them go into worlds of fun by themselves. And so anyway, those are really good memories that I get a lot of grief for now, but were really beautiful moments in my history with the kids.
1: And I think I'd be remiss because you said that you had a blended family. And I know that there are other dads that are stepping into those situations where they are getting into a relationship with someone and they are going to have a blended family or a blended relationship. As a father within a blended family, talk about some of the things that you had to do as you stepped into that role, to be able to be present, to be engaged, and to be connected in a different way as a father in that role.
0: So it's more of a mentoring relationship than it is a parenting one. I feel like when you're a step-parent, And first and foremost, you have to have absolute respect for the other father and for his role in their life and that you've got that role in your kid's life, but it's going to be different with yours. And all you have to do is respect that and show that person respect, even if you disagree with them. If it's an adversarial relationship, I know that can be difficult, but it's really important because it develops respect for for that parent's role. And they will then pass that respect on to you as their step-parent. And so The other, I would say, is you've got to be patient. You've got to let them come to you. You've got to prove yourself over time, that you respect them, that you care for them, that you're going to be there for them. And what you'll find is that they'll come to you with things that they won't go to either of their parents about. They'll bring you challenges that they're having that they don't want to talk about with their mom or their dad, biological, but they see you as a resource because you start as a kind of a third party in their life. And then that relationship can grow. And so my stepkids, Connor and Natalie, are just incredibly precious to me. Choke up. But you just grow to love them like you do your own. And um, so if you're patient, they can become incredibly meaningful relationships. It's a different relationship, but it can be an incredibly special one. But patience and empathy and respect are really key virtues to it.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. Now, I know that you had a new book that just came out called Empty Nest, Full Pockets. And I would love for you to be able to delve a little bit deeper into that change, that change that you that goes through when your children fly the nest and move out and move on and move on to the next stage of their life. And for them, it's a really exciting time. And for you, it might be, but I think that I would love to, first and foremost, go back in time, back to the inception of this idea. And as an author myself, I know the amount of time and effort that goes into developing this concept, this idea and putting this book out into the world. But tell me about the inception and what made you decide that you wanted to put this book out into the world?
0: Sure. So as the kids got through their teenage years and were going through high school, I just noticed a huge range of emotions that I was going through as a dad, because on the one hand, I wanted them to become independent young adults. On the other, I wanted to hang on to them and not let them go. And so as I was going through that process, I thought I can't be the only one who feels this way. And I actually sought out some counsel and some help because I was just feeling abandoned, a little resentful that the kids were never around, especially once they start driving. It's just like they disappear. And so I went to a friend and was telling him, I feel like they're ignoring me. I feel like I'm not a factor in their life anymore. I feel like they basically just... Turn into these little jerks that have not shown any respect and what he said to me was the only reason they can do that is because you parented them well that they feel like they can be these young independent adults and that really really helped me and so I thought sharing that message with some other parents some other dads might help them and so I wanted to to pay that forward a little bit the other thing was on the financial side of dealing with college is incredibly confusing and so I wanted to break open that Pandora's box a little bit for folks to just to see how the differences in what people pay for college how the whole system works because it was a system that I had to I learned through fire and I thought if I'm in the financial world and I don't understand it there's got to be other folks that don't either so I thought some of those lessons would help as well the book was really designed to help parents get ready to become empty nesters to get their kids ready to launch and become young adults and so it's that dual path because when we're parenting we kind of forget about ourselves which it's good work and it's we're, we're doing the best that we can and doing the right the things that we can to be a parent. But we forget, you know, sometimes our spouse or our what we want to do with the, the rest of our lives. And so it was during that time that I went through a program called Prairie Fire. And that's what helped me decide that I wanted to open my own company and I wanted to call it Prairie Fire. So all of that's kind of culminated in the book. So there's lots of stories about the kids and how we got through it and stuff. And some of it's pretty funny.
1: So there is this balance, this balance between holding on and letting go. And as your child or children are growing, you've got to stay engaged in your children's lives, but you have to stay current in trying to help them to be independent, to be confident, to have goals in their life and to achieve those goals for themselves. As you reflected back on this and you started to write this, what were some of the big aha moments for yourself as you said, oh yeah, these are the things that, I really wanted to hit home to help, let's say, dads, and to be able to help them instill that in their own kids.
0: Some of the ahas centered around some of the activities that the kids were in. So my son played tennis and swam, which is what I did in high school. And so I encouraged him to do those things. And then as he got to be further along in the his high school journey, he didn't want to do them anymore. And so I had a hard time with that, And I thinking, you know, Here I had these great experiences. I still had friends from my swim team and tennis team. And he just said to me flat out, Dad, my experience isn't the same as yours. I'm not experiencing it like you did. I've just got this massive number of swimmers on the team. The coach isn't hands-on anyway. So I learned that I've got to give them room to to see and try the things that they want to try, not just try to take my path. The other is, is when they're going through the college selection or some of those more larger decisions, You've got to really work hard to find a balance of being a mentor to them, showing them some of the things that you can't go completely hands off and let them make all the decisions. And you can't go helicopter and suffocate them to where they don't feel like it's their experience or their decision. So college becomes kind of that first big one that they're going to make about where they want to go, what they want to study, all of those kind of things. And so I try to give them some room to throw some elbows and try some different things, give them some different experiences via campus visits and all of that, but then let them feel like it was their decision, even if it was a decision that we steered them towards a little bit. So I advocate in the book that I don't think it's a decision they should make alone. It's way too big. It's, the financial implications are massive. And so they need to feel like they're, they're definitely part of that and engaged in that along the way. And so one of my kids kind of went to a school I didn't think was going to be the best thing for him, but it ended up fine and I gave him some room. And so again, yeah, it's letting them develop into that independent model and independent human that you've created, but not just taking your hands off the wheel completely.
1: Now, I know as part of this, you talked about college financial aspects. And as someone that works in higher ed, I know that this can be very confusing. And as a father with a senior in high school, I know that it can be very confusing. And even though that I work in higher education, it's something that I think is very important for people, for parents to understand. Now, without giving away everything, talk to me a little bit about some of the creative things, the strategies that you share that parents should be thinking about for that senior year, during that senior year to prepare their child and themselves for the years ahead?
0: So we take parents through what's called a pre-approval process. So similar like you would if you're going to buy a house, we go through what different schools cost, what you've saved, what your cash flow looks like, and how much your family can essentially afford. And so we call that kind of a pre-approval amount. And so then we try to work into, all right, what sort of educational strategies can we take on that will fit for the family? And for some, the child that has a school in mind that's maybe way out of the budget. And so it's a good time to to bring all that back down to earth, that this may not work, but maybe down the road, we can figure something else out, try it, a community college to start, you know, just kind of start brainstorming around that. But with that pre-approval amount, then they have a very clear view of what they can take on for education and how that's going to work, who's going to pay for it. And can we work hard to avoid not taking on any debt as a result of going to school. So we focus on that. The other thing is, is that kids, and I'm just speaking generally, every school system is different, don't get a lot of financial education before they launch. And so that's usually going to happen at home. So we talk about getting a part-time job and understanding how money works a little bit, uh, money mindsets. So we were all raised up in a family that really was, we've you know, scarcity was kind of the model. In many cases, we passed that on. And so how how can we help our child understand how money works and they can use it as a tool versus it letting control them and control their emotions? And so, you know, getting them engaged in that process before they leave, like my dad set me up on a $40 a week budget back when I went to college. So I saved enough to have that. I knew each week I could go to the bank, cash a check for 40 bucks. This is before ATMs. You would know. The, the good old days. And so we, <laughs> I had to go to the bank every Friday and get my 40 bucks. And so anyway, so some of those skills are things that they're not going to understand yet. And they're only going to probably learn it from you. So getting them engaged in the family's financial affairs, developing an allowance system. So all of that goes into getting them ready to to handle money so they don't go into debt. They don't get suckered by credit card offers when they're in college, all of those different kind of things. And so, but then it's also Making sure that you don't get over your skis and, and sending them to a college is just going to threaten your future. So you, know, you may want to have a retirement plan, things like that, and all of a sudden you spend all this money on school and for them and you have to start over and retire much later than you wanted to or you expected to. So finding that balance, we think, is something that's really, really important.
1: I love that because I remember that back in my own college days, I remember walking onto the campus and having credit card companies offering free stuff. And so many kids just don't understand what the ramifications are of using a credit card and that it's not free money and how that can lead to other issues.
0: Yeah, there's nothing free. And so <laughs> <laughs> signing up for it will lead to challenges. I told my kids a story. I signed up for a $300 chase card when I was at the University of Northern Iowa and we went to Tijuana for spring break and I spent over that amount and had to pay all these fees and things like that and so sharing the lessons that we've learned sometimes have a greater impact than just saying don't do this here's the thing that I did wrong and I hope that you can help learn from from it together
1: so a lot of this has to happen within the family a lot of learning has to happen within the family so what are some of the top things that you hope that all parents will talk to their kids about before they leave the nest.
0: One would be understanding a paycheck. So all of our kids worked at the local grocery store. And so they'd get a paycheck and I'd, we'd go through it with them to say, this is how this taxes work. This is what you get. Here's the things that we're expecting you to, to pay for. Like maybe it's gas or maybe it's... So what you're developing is a sample budget, a little bit of them understanding how, how that money flows their pocket into wherever else that it goes. And so the other is some sort of explanation about the things that they want, how you can get them, and what the cost is. So many of them don't have any feel for what a car costs or how much you're paying for your house or if they want to do something special that it's going to cost more money than they have and how are they going to manage that. So these real-life examples and these stories are how they learn, my kids anyway, uh, by telling them stories of things that we went through and how we were able to do the vacation to South Carolina because we saved for three years, you know, a certain amount each paycheck to get to make that happen. It wasn't just something that we decided on a Friday and you know, I'll fly to South Carolina on a Saturday. And so bringing them into that circle of understanding that they deferred gratification is a lesson that really they can only learn at home.
1: Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. And as people are hearing this and they're, they're listening to these topics and they want to delve a little bit deeper into this, where's the best place for them to go for them to find out more information?
0: Our website has got links to all of that. I've got a lot of resources from the book that are free that you can click on for budgeting and just planning your own little bucket list as an empty nest or all that. That is at pfwplanning.com. So kind of abbreviated for Prairie Fire, but pfwplanning.com. There's also a link on there that you can get a free copy of the book if you'd like, but it's also available on Amazon. So either of those spots are where they can they can find out about what we do.
1: Now, we always finish our interview with what we'd like to call our Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five more questions that delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Okay. In one word, what is fatherhood?
0: To me, it's the journey that men were designed to take where we learn to live a life outside of ourselves, where we realize that there's something, I mean, it's hard to say that you really know what love is until you become a father. You know about it and it's just different when you have a child that you feel responsible for and it gets your ego and your priorities and your agenda out of the way. And that's a a real gift. That's an amazing gift.
1: Now, when was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter?
0: I think when I saw my daughter walk away at college and I was crying like a little baby and realized that she could do this, that she was ready for this, that she had what it took to take this next step in her life. I could see it in her eyes and it's just something that I'll never forget. And I realized, you know, I've been a part of this. I've been part of this journey with her and have gotten her ready for this. And then when my stepdaughter graduated from undergrad, Once again, I saw a look in her eyes and fearlessly going to graduate school across the country. Again, realized we've done something right here that's allowed them to become these amazing young people.
1: Now, if I was to talk to your kids, how would they describe you as a dad?
0: Always trying to be funny. Always trying to throw a little levity into difficult situations, wanting to bring them together as a crew. So getting us together as a family is super important to me. And so I think they'd say a bit of a ringleader, always trying to, even when it makes their eyes roll, keep things vibrant and funny and and moving along and try to make it a fun journey for all of us. And
1: who inspires you to be a better dad?
0: Certainly my father has been someone that I've been proud of and learned a lot from as far as, as being a good father. You know, I have some friends that I've seen step into difficult situations with their kids and be brave and so you know i I see that as an amazing thing so and then my grandfather who passed many years ago i thought was a, a very good father in that he took a very difficult upbringing and difficult life and flipped it and flipped the script in his family and so i've always admired him for that
1: now you've given a lot of piece of advice today but as we finish up today what advice would you give to other dads
0: do all that you can to engage it's easy i think for men particularly to disengage or if we can't fix a problem to avoid it and so Doing the hard stuff of being a dad, engaging when things are a little scary, and letting your kids see your vulnerability, I think, are advice tokens that I'd share with other dads. So not being afraid to cry, not being able for them to see that you feel the things that they're going through. Even if they don't understand it that day, they might down the road. But so I would say finding that way to be part of the journey and not just a dictator of it.
1: Well, I really appreciate you being here, Matt. I love what you've created here. And all of these areas I know are things that all dads need to be thinking about and thinking ahead about, especially as their kids are younger in those teenage years and beyond, because you still have some time to make those changes and prepare for that empty nest. I want to wish you the best. For everything that you're doing, thank you for writing this book. And I look forward to learning more as I continue reading it. So thank you so much, and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals we buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and musclemen Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be